Good evening, family. It's great to see all of you. My name is Paul. I'm one of the associate pastors on staff. It's great to see all of you here, but especially those who are new to us. Welcome. It's wonderful to see all of you here in the house. We're going to continue our series tonight on knowing God. I believe it was several weeks back, Pastor Donnell talked about intimacy with God, and Pastor Stephen followed that up with the love of God, and speaking of the story of Jonah, and I think he followed up the week after that again with another powerful word about the five ways he detailed that God uh, loves us. And then last week, if you were here, Dr. Morocco from Hawaii brought another powerful word. Amen. So tonight we're going to continue with the theme of knowing God, but particularly talking about the love of God. And I want to pay specific attention tonight to what it looks like to be propelled by the love of God. Propelled by the love of God. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, we're going to look at chapter 16, verses 22 through 30. Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 30. As you're turning there, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. I pray now, according to your word, that you would open up our eyes so that we may see all that is in your law. Speak, Holy Spirit, to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 30, reads this way. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, verse 28, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do? To be saved. So, again, the title of this message is Propelled by the Love of God. Propelled by the Love of God. Last week, my family and I were in Orlando, Florida. We were at the Every Nation Leaders Conference, which was tremendous. Our senior pastor, Brett Fuller, was coordinating or spearheading the effort. And the Kid Builders Ministry team was there pouring into our kids. We had an incredible, uh, awesome time. And when we got back from Orlando, we kind of ran into a lot of questions from friends of ours who said, so how was Disney? And it was like they were expecting this commentary on what Disney was like. And so I let them kind of ask. I saw the excitement and thought, how am I going to break it to them? Actually, we didn't go to Disney. Like that never happened. I said, wait, you went to Orlando. You flew to Orlando with three children and you didn't go to Disney. Were you that busy? 
I said, well, actually, we were in sessions a lot. You know, we were, we were uh, even outside of the sessions. We were connecting with other folks, building relationship, learning a lot. Um, and, and so, no, we didn't get there. So you didn't have any time to go. Well, we did have some time. We took the kids to the pool between sessions when we could. And then we did take the Uber out one time. And he said, oh, great. Where'd you go? How was it? I said, well, we, uh, we went to Target. <laughs> and they said, okay, so let me get this right. You flew to Orlando, Florida with three children and you went to Target. And I said, well, uh, yeah, that is what we did. And then I attempted to communicate to them what the love of Pinkie Pie and Fluttershy and Rainbow Dash and y'all with me, my little pony, the love that they had for my kids and my kids for them. I tried to communicate that because if they understood that love, they would understand what propelled us to get in an Uber with the car seat, Uber XL, because we needed extra seats for all the kids, flying to Orlando, getting that to get to target. So we were propelled by, in so many words, love on a lot of levels. A lot of levels. The text that we're talking about tonight, we see what it looks like, though, to be propelled by the love of God. And that when we're propelled by the love of God, we're driven by the love of God. We're pushed forward by the love of God, particularly in difficult times. We set the stage for the lives of others to be transformed as well. So in this text, the Apostle Paul, he's on his second missionary journey right now. He's in the city of Philippi. And he and Silas had just finished casting out a demon from a woman when we come upon verse 22, where we see this woman who was under the influence of the spirit was making a whole lot of money for her bosses. In essence, she was a fortune teller, although she had a lot of evil ulterior motives. And so Paul basically got tired of it and through the power of the Holy Spirit, cast the evil spirit out of her. But when he did, all of the folks making money, all of the owners of this lady obviously got a bit upset. And the question we can extrapolate from that just sort of parenthetically is, are you willing to tell the truth no matter what the consequences might be? And I'm not talking about being reckless in that sense. Paul and Silas in this moment clearly understood their mission. They understood that the Lord was with them and fear wasn't going to win. In fact, 1 John 4 and 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And Paul and Silas were clearly in this moment propelled by the love of God. But now that the revenue of these owners were gone, they were a bit upset. So they dragged Paul and Silas into the marketplace where justice was often publicly administered. A crowd starts to form around them and they start to make accusations and claims against Paul and Silas about them disrupting their community such that the entire crowd at one point turns against them. And finally, they order for them to be stripped beaten with rods, thrown into prison, severely flogged before getting thrown into prison. And then the jailer was ordered to guard them carefully, which in his mind translated into putting Paul and Silas's legs in stocks, throwing them in the dungeon of the prison, which could also be discussed or described as solitary confinement, if you will. They were no doubt in a painful situation, a difficult season of their lives. Yet they weren't propelled by anger, they weren't propelled by resentment, bitterness, revenge, cynicism. No, they were not propelled by any of those, though I'm sure they had options at their disposal that could have relieved them uh, from the situation that they were in. After all, they just casted a spell or a, a demon and a spirit out of this particular woman. So certainly they could have perhaps called some lightning bolts down on the folks who were beating them. Not that any of us would ever think like that, right? 
about the folks that we work with or the folks we go to school with. Lord, if it be your will that they take a long walk off a short pier, if that's your will. I know we don't think that way, but nonetheless, Paul and Silas probably had some options at their disposal, but propelled by the love of God for them and their persecutors, their behavior in this ordeal reminds us of someone else who could have changed his situation, someone else who endured pain for us, someone else who was guilty of nothing else but honoring the Father. Our Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, suffered a death, the most painful death anyone could ever suffer. And why? Because he was propelled by love. It was his mission to see us ultimately be free. And so being propelled by the love of God has everything to do with our understanding that this life isn't about us. So here, Paul and Silas, they allow for this beatdown to take place. They're in prison, solitary confinement, no less, with these legs strapped to, to their, their legs strapped to irons. And to that end, I have no idea what you are dealing with. I know what I and my family deal with. I don't know. I wouldn't even ever pretend to know what it's like to walk in your shoes. But what I do know is that God is love. And what I do know that is that he says he will not leave us, nor will he forsake us. Romans 8 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. That is good news. And so because of this kind of love for us, we are propelled toward behavior that honors him and not only brings peace and relief in our respective situations, but could literally free those who are in our sphere of influence as well. So Paul and Silas in this text, no doubt are facing some hardship. Yet in verse 25, we see them recognizing clearly God's love for for them where they were. And it says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. The more that we can understand the depth, the breadth, the height of God's love for us, as Pastor Stephen so eloquently laid out for us a few weeks ago, the more that we understand that, the more we understand and committed to being propelled by God's love, firstly toward community. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body joined and held together by each ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part of the body does its work. Earlier in Ephesians, second chapter, I believe, verse 22 says, You too will be built up in him such that you can collectively be a dwelling within, Christ, within which Christ can dwell. Giving folks access to our lives, having folks be able to call us out, being vulnerable with folks, particularly those who you know are navigating through life with the same GPS that you are, but living life in community. So it says Paul and Silas prayed, they sang hymns, they're living out their love for Jesus and for people together in community. What we don't see in this text is what they were perhaps saying to each other in that cell in that prison. We don't have any idea. So I can only recall my own experience several years back, and I've shared a little bit about this before, where doctors didn't necessarily know why I was experiencing the symptoms that I was experiencing. And I can remember knowing God, loving God, but having moments of thoughts of, I can't take this anymore. 
And I leaned over to the best teammate I could have ever been given in life, my wife, and I told her a little bit about what I was experiencing. And her response, propelled by the love of God, was, let's pray. And in Jesus' name, we did, and we still do. And I called my buddies later in that week from college, both of whom I still talk to on a weekly basis for prayer and accountability. And I said, hey, this is, this is what's going on. I can't take it. And they, too, called on the name of Jesus with me. And in that moment, which I don't want to say was one singular second, it was some time, but God provided direction and insight with the medical community to bring healing to me and to my family and my entire life situation that at one point seemed to be like an enigma. Nobody could figure it out. But while I couldn't, the point, while I couldn't keep that, I like to call it like the metaphorical bird that was flying over my head, right? The thoughts that were, I couldn't keep that necessarily from making its path over my head. I could in community through the power of the Holy Spirit in view of God's mercy and his love for us. I could not let, I would not let that bird build a nest in my hair. And I wonder if in this text, Paul and Silas might have had a bird fly over their head while they were in the midst of this situation. Who knows? But while they were there together, they decided together in community that they were going to lift up the name of Jesus. And to me, that's encouraging. Because to me, it says that no matter what it is that we may be facing, and if you're not in something now, you're probably either coming out of something or going into something. It's kind of the reality of life, is it not? The encouraging thing is that we can go through with a smile. And that's not a smile, hear me correctly, it's not a smile that's in denial of the reality that we're experiencing, but rather a smile because of the heavenly perspective that we have on an earthly predicament. We can talk to God. We, we know that he hears us, he knows our affliction, he cares for us, and we know we can give him praise because never will he, never has he given up his position on the throne. We just talked about Hebrews 13 and 5. I didn't mention that scripture, but that's what I was quoting when I said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And to be truthfully honest here, I mean, he has already fought and won the battle that you're facing right now. And, and, and this is bad English that I'm about to say, but catch what I'm saying. He's, he's in many ways, uh, we are in many ways becoming what we already are in him. Romans 8.37 says we're more than conquerors. So while we're in the process of sanctification, we are already more than conquerors in him. And that's the reality of where we sit. So here, Paul and Silas are. They're beaten. They're flogged. They're shackled. They're in the inner prison, the dungeon, the solitary confinement. And yet about midnight, when things could have appeared a bit more bleak and dreary, at a time when perhaps it was risky for them, unexpected for sure, they decide to start singing prayers, praises, and hymns unto their father. And I want to suggest they weren't just whispering to each other. Why do I say that? In the text, remember, they're placed in the inner cell. It's been described as this dungeon of sort. It's apart from the general population. And yet the latter, verse, latter part of verse 25 says what? The prisoners were listening to them. Which to me says they must have been making a little bit of noise. All right? And we could stay there. We won't, right? No matter roots where I come on, we stay there for a long time. Because I get excited when I think about how when the community of faith can make some noise, what that can do in our respective spaces. Amen? But we will move on tonight. <laughs> well, some might have considered a risk for them to do this, right? I mean, you can risk altercation with the other prisoners who are being awakened, and they will remember you in the yard the next day, right? There's some risk involved in doing this. Paul and Silas considered it an opportunity, 
a joy, if you will, because their understanding of what their praise meant, they were propelled by God's love and realizing that it wasn't just about them. The truth is, just like with Paul and Silas, folks are literally listening to our lives, watching our lives. What are we propelled by? How are we going to respond? Literally looking to see how can I witness what their testimony is and do I want to follow after whatever source they say they're plugged into, particularly in our most difficult moments, which again, not a denial of the reality of difficult seasons, which they can be, but an acceptance of the reality of God's love for us and who lives inside of us and whose we are when we go through such difficult circumstances. And if we can have that audacity to praise God in such painful moments, if we can in the midnight hour of our situations, offer up a praise of thanksgiving and prayer to the Lord. If we can do that, I believe verse 26 could be our reality. And I'm speaking of Grace Covenant Church. I'm speaking of the District of Columbia and this entire metropolitan region. What does verse 26 say? It says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I trust we all believe, and if not, by the end of tonight, we believe that our community's predicaments can be broken. And it can begin. We can have a part to play with how we as a community participate with an audacity to praise God, regardless of what the circumstance might be. And I'm talking about things, and we'll kind of list a few of them, though we won't touch every pew or every chair in this room, but generational curses that might be in your family line. Marriages that might need to be restored. Children whose self-esteem at the moment doesn't align with what God's word says, but can align with what God's word says. A healing of illnesses and diseases. Resentment turning into forgiveness and reconciliation. I'm talking about the real chains of our community's predicaments being broken that we can participate in through our praise. Now, let me clarify, because this... Does not mean, I don't want anyone going anywhere tomorrow, wherever you might be at work or school, going in with the Bible that used to be, at least on my family's living room table, it was about this big. (laughs) Going in there saying, the preacher said I need to be loud with mine, so let me come up in here with some noise. I'm not saying that whatsoever. In fact, we're taught very well here that that would be weird, Pastor Brett says, right? (laughs) You'd be escorted out, most likely. There would be a car waiting for you in a few minutes. So don't do that. However... (laughs) When we're propelled by the love of God, we can truly live loud lives of praise, of prayer, and of thanksgiving, recognizing to the extent that we can, because we really can't, how far reaching the capacity of our praise is in, 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 in a sense that it's going way beyond just us. I think about my own life and the endeavoring on my part to live a life of prayer and praise and the reality that the implications are far beyond me. It extends to my bride of 12 years. It extends to our three children. It extends even to the grandkids who we don't have yet, but someday we'll want to know what grandma and granddad's life looked like. My praise isn't about me, and, and really, in some respect, it has a lot of implications for you, my brothers and sisters with whom I walk this faith journey. Because if I can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have a smile, have a praise on my lips in a season that may not be so comfortable or optimal, Perhaps you too in wherever space you might occupy will say, well, look, if God can do that for him, I think his word says he's no 
specter of person. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He can do that for me too. So all of our praises and all of our responses in these situations have implications far beyond ourselves when we're propelled by the love of God. We don't know much about this jailer except that he was simply following the commands of his superiors. Our imagination could take us on a journey of maybe he was trying to get in with his superiors, maybe make a name for himself when they said guard him carefully. They translated that into solitary confinement, locking their legs up to irons. We don't know much about him. We just know he exerted his power in this space, putting them in the inner cell. And the truth be told, we too might have... Maybe nobody in here, maybe for me, folks in our space who are adding to pain that we are already experiencing without them needing to add to it. We don't know why they're doing it. Maybe they are just following commands. Who knows? But they're adding to our pain. But the text suggests that if this happens to be our situation, the love of God can propel us toward a response that could free them just as much as it may free us and bring relief to us in that situation. Verse 27 says this, The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And I imagine that he figured he'd probably just go ahead and make it easier on himself because if his superiors did come in and saw that he let all the prisoners go free, you can guess what might have happened to him. But Paul says in verse 28, Listen, don't harm yourself. In other words, though you, though you participated in my pain, I still do not want to see you harmed. This jailer was participating in the persecution of those sent by God. And Paul here, propelled clearly by the love of God toward humility, which is our third point, in that here this jailer was trembling, coming before Paul and Silas. And Paul, I imagine in this moment, just had a, a reflection back to where he came from. And the apostle Paul used to be, He used to be Saul, who was famous for persecuting the church, was he not? Until he was met on the road to Damascus, going from Jerusalem, and a bright light shone from heaven, knocked him off his feet, blinded him, and God is confronting him about his behavior. This same Paul, I imagine, reflected in that moment and had some humility to remember where God brought him from. Acts 8 and 3 says he ravaged the church. He went from home to home, pulling men and women out, throwing them into prison. That was Saul, who was now Paul. And God met him in this unique way. And because of God's great love, he, and might I suggest we are not consumed, Lamentations talks about, chapter 3, because his compassion does not fail. Paul no doubt realized God's love in this moment on the road to Damascus and said, from that point on, I'm no longer turning up this world upside down to persecute the church, but rather going to be propelled by God's love to turn it upside down for the kingdom of God. And now here Paul sits, the jailers coming before he and Silas, and I'm imagining him pausing and reflecting on this moment and now saying, God, I now get to participate in your meeting this jailer in a very unique way, because certainly this jailer hasn't seen anything like what he's experienced. Paul decides to have some humility and remember where God brought him from. So when we see others in our space, wherever you occupy, Monday through Saturday, who are experiencing some sort of pain or difficult season, and it might even be self-inflicted like this particular jailer. And maybe some of the pain, if you 
think about it long enough, sometimes you don't need to. You might think they deserve that for what they did to me. If you see somebody like that experiencing pain, think about being propelled by the love of God. And instead of pulling up a chair with some popcorn, like, yeah, here we go for what you did for me last week. This is what you get. Instead of that, propelled by the love of Jesus Christ, grab their hand and say, you know what? I know you dug that hole under me. I do. I do. But I still don't want to see you harmed because God loves you too much. Transforming the lives of those around us when we are propelled by the love of God. The jailer said in verse 27, what must I do to be saved? And my prayer for all of us is that we are propelled by the love of God such that others really do want to know what source are they plugged into. In conclusion, I I mentioned earlier our trip to Target when we were in Orlando, Florida, and the love that my kids had for My Little Pony. Uh, What I left out of that story is when we flew down the first night that we would, not even the night, when we got off the plane, we knew, my wife and I said, we got to go to Target. (laughs) We're going to go to Target. That's where we're going to end up. But uh, at some point, you know, we talked or, well, mostly me, I'll be honest, all me, and I, I came up with the idea that, well, well, maybe we can see something else if we're in Orlando. So I convinced everybody to get in an Uber and, and, and get uh, to, what was it called, Disney Springs. So it wasn't like Disney University Studios, but it was something where we could take the kids. And so we get to Disney Springs, Uber XL, car seat, all of that. We get there, we get out of the car, we walk about 20 yards, get a map, see all the cool restaurants, all the suggested activities for the kids. Like, man, this is going to be fun. And then we sit there and we say, okay... It's hot. (laughs) Kids don't want to be here. We turned around. We walked that same 20 yards back, called another Uber, and we ended up at Target. Now, mind you, at that point, it had cost us, what, 30, 40 bucks for the Uber. Everybody sweat through their outfit when we already knew what was promised for us at Target that we already knew was waiting for us when we got off the plane. We said we need to go to Target, and somebody thought it might be a brilliant idea to detour. (laughs) What am I getting at in this conclusion? There are going to be a lot of what seem to be viable options for us in terms of being propelled, because we're propelled by something. Propelling is about pushing forward, being caused toward a particular direction, right? Driven by something and something on a daily basis is driving us. And there may seem like some really viable options. I mentioned a few earlier, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, being vindictive, lots of things, envy, lots of things that might seem to drive us, but we already know God is love and his love never Fails. First Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 says love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't dishonor God. It doesn't boast. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It always protects. Always trusts. Always perseveres. Love never fails. So the promise that we have in God when we're propelled by his love is sure. And the truth be told, it's when life really starts beginning for us when we're propelled by love. Amen. Paul says, when I live, I live, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In him, I live, I move, and I have my being. It's when I understand that being propelled by his love really gains me a life here on earth. That's when life really, really begins. Those other things might seem cool for a little bit. They really do. You might feel good in your soul when somebody who dug a hole underneath you at work gets fired or whatever the case might be. 
Let's be real. Like there might be something in there that says that he deserved that. Right. And then <laughs> I've never experienced this before. Right. No. Oh. But then a week, a day, a week, a month, years will pass and you realize what it costs you. The time wasted, perhaps the money wasted, the emotional space for your kids and your family and those you're supposed to be loving wasted opportunities where maybe you missed the Holy Spirit because your frequency was clouded by those things that were clouding and you couldn't hear well from God to do what he's called you to do. You realize later on what it costs you. And so tonight the encouragement is on the front end of wherever you are. And I don't know where you've been, but today we're here that as we move forward, being propelled by the love of God we've been hearing about for the last week, few weeks in everything that we're doing, recognizing, Lord, it's in that space that I know I'm not just going to bring peace and relief to me, though certainly he will give you peace that passes all understanding as you present to him all of your supplications as Philippians 4 talks about. Yes, he will do that. But beyond that, he's going to transform the lives of your community, your family, everyone who might be in your sphere of influence, looking at what are they doing and who are they plugged into such that they can live life in this way. And then they can come into the true life that we know to be Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for your love. I'm so grateful to you today that you give us the opportunity to choose you. I pray tonight for everyone in this space that we would, if we know you, we'd have a renewed sense of the benefit of being propelled by your love. If we don't know you, that we'll make a commitment tonight to be propelled from this day forward by nothing else but your love. You called us to be holy, and anything you've called us to, you'll equip us to do it. Your word says, be ye holy as I am holy in all manner of your conversation. To do so, we've got to be driven, pushed by your love. 